2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Before he's, everything, before he's even met with him, I would convince him, we are the best destination for you because, hell, the Bears are potentially set up to be the Houston. Hell, you're already in better position than Houston was last season. Houston turns it around, goes from three wins to ten, wins the AFC South in one year because of the quarterback. The Bears are set up better right now than Houston was before it hit the draft. And so... Man, go get Mike Vrabel. I cannot believe the Titans did this to him. I, I Again, even in the sense, I, I figured a parting of ways might be coming, but that's how I figured yep. it would be phrased. I thought he had earned that. Again, Vrabel had won a Super Bowl, but he had been a coach of the year. You basically pulled the rug out from under him when you traded A.J. Brown. You never gave him a real quarterback.
1: The level of disrespect. Some, some, maybe, maybe I'm too high you know, on I, I, Maybe I'm too I, I don't high don't on think so. I think I he's so.
3: always maximized what he's had. No.
1: I, the Amy Adams thing I don't buy either. I think this is Carthon starting over. Those, clear, those two guys were clearly on the same page because he didn't draft Will Levis. The GM probably drafted Will Levis. I'm sure that's probably. Yeah, I
3: don't think I don't think Vrabel in terms of. We knew it wasn't the case when John Robinson was there, but no. I don't think he'd been handed over like a bill Bill Belichickian duties when it came to personnel or that level of call when it came to personnel. And so no. no. No, I don't I mean surely he had some input. Yep. But he's not the guy pulling the trigger.
1: No, this is disrespectful to Mike Vrabel. If you've been with that franchise, I'm looking at his years here. He was 54 and 45 with the Titans overall. He took them to the AFC South playoff. He was finished in the second first first. Now I realize fans don't like it cuz he was like two and three in the playoffs. He lost to KC, had that tough game in the championship. That was back in 19, which seems like it seems more recent than that, but you have this COVID buzz still. But like,
3: listen, that's a tough division. That's why I didn't even mention the AFC Championship no. game appearance. Like he took, the the, he took them to a final. You're right. Okay, you're right.
1: Fifty four and forty five. That's disrespectful just to shove him out and say he's fired on a random like Tuesday. So like the Bear, I would say if you're him though,
3: he's going to be attractive to a lot of situations.
1: But if you're him, the Bears is the best one.
3: I would make okay, the argument. Chargers can tell you, well, we've got the quarterback, and he's proven, not in terms of playoff wins, but in terms of you've seen Justin Herbert on the field. Mm. You know he's a leader when he's healthy. He's a guy that's you know one of the studs when it comes to Armtown in the league. I'm just saying th- that's the one pro that the Chargers can say – that, that, that's not better than the Bears. But look what happened. Know, Houston, but they don't Houston have the cap yeah. space. They don't yeah. have the draft capital. They don't have the position. I mean, the Bears are picking one and nine. Yeah. And again, an opportunity. If you, hell, if you don't like Caleb Mills, go get Drake May. But my point is, you can get the guy you want. Yep. Right there at one. And again, that's a better situation than Vrabel ever had with with the Titans. Again, where you're trying to make Tannehill a winner. You're trying to maximize what you've got with a a game manager and a guy who, yes, in play action can be good, but. You know, when Derrick Henry's out, or we got no run game, everything everything's ineffective. And then again, you know, if Tannehill gets the playoffs, those three interceptions on you. So he never had that sort of quarterback. Uh, it's exciting to me. I, I hate yeah. it for Mike Vrabel that's, because, again, it seems disrespectful um, of yep. the, you know, here for the Titans just to, to, to fire him like this, not at least give him the old parting of ways phrase. But um, I see an opportunity for not just the Bears, but a lot of NFL teams. Who knows? It might already be. Because here's the – we're discussing this, and we're going to get to run rundown in a second, but Vrabel's different from when it comes to if you're the Pats and you want to move on from Bill and maybe you're telling yourself, well, you know – with Mike Vrabel we you know we've seen other uh uh you know former patriots and patriot assistants and, they, dudes. Yeah, and those yeah. guys they don't do so Mike Vrabel's proven yeah. that's the difference with him he's not Josh McDaniels you know he's not one of these he's not Matt Patricia he's not one of these patriots that's Joe Judge who's mm-hmm. uh, these assistants who's gone out flailed out and you don't know you know with Vrabel that yeah. again if you give him if you if if you give him some weapons and the Patriots haven't been great about that, but a lot, a lot of that again, Bill Belichick because he's had the pers- the personnel calls, that's why they don't have the high paid receivers. They've let great receivers walk. You know, it. Uh, I, I again, I would just tell you the Bears, the Bears are set up in better position, like the the oh, the, 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 the Pats, in terms of the cupboard and the talent. There's just there isn't much there and. You know, maybe it comes down to okay, Vrabel at this point because of the way John Robinson pulled the rug out from him, Maybe Vrabel wants and can command because he's a tier one candidate for a job, can command personnel, major. Yep. You know, the the the, the final call and personnel decisions. And and if I'm the maybe I I can't offer him that if I'm the Bears. Bears mm-hmm. got Ryan Poles who's making the GM calls, and there's some other team that might be willing to do that. I think he's earned that. Yep. And he may want that, and be again be able to command it. We'll see. Um, I just think a lot of go- there, there's going to be more than one team in line for Mike Vrabel to coach next season, I, unless he wants a break. And it didn't seem like he wanted the break. It seemed like he wanted to be back. I, this is sh- the Titans fans I'm talking to are shocked. Yeah. Unless he wants a break, one year TV. Come on now, and this seemed like a guy who didn't want a break, who wanted to continue coaching. It's bizarre. The, the line should it's be bizarre. long for Mike for Mike Vrabel. Well, the the model and is the Bears Demi- should be in it.
1: The model is D'Amico Ryan's because if you go to a team like the Houston's, I would compare Chicago as this year's Houston because There's a chance. you get you get a quarterback you want, you start a fre- like fresh with your own quarterback like Stroud did with Ryan's, and you look like a. I mean, it's it's a perfect situation.
3: Yep, it is. Uh, big news. Out of Nashville, wow! Uh, Mike Vrabel fired after six seasons. And, again, I don't think he's going to be waiting very long for at least head coaching opportunity to be pushed his way. We'll see if he wants to coach immediately. Wrong move, uh, Titans. Uh, again, can understand uh, sort of moving on, but uh, you, you didn't frame this right. That's, that's disrespectful, Amy Adams-Strunk, uh, the way I see it. Uh, and the way I see it, I want my Chicago Bears to fire Matt Eberflus and go get a Mike Vrabel. But, again, I'm sure, and others may want to cut ahead of the Bears in line, there are going to be plenty of suitors for Mike Vrabel. We'll talk about that some more. Uh, obviously, again, we're still picking up the pieces from the John ja Morant News. Grizzlies got a game tonight down in Dallas, going to wrap up this three-game road trip. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. listed as questionable. You know you got guys uh, on that bench that want to win. Hard to tell those guys, oh, yeah, all of a sudden we should shift gears and just play the young guys and not want to. That's certainly going to be the case tonight. Um, You're going to have players out there that are trying to beat this Dallas team, certainly. So we'll talk about more of that, the national championship game, get into more of a breakdown of that. And then, again, a look at next season. I think the AP poll came out, the final college football AP poll. Were the Tigers in it? Uh, We'll answer that question for you. Also talk about what Penny Hardaway said at his coach's show about the upcoming week in the AAC going ahead. We'll do that when we come back with a rundown. You're listening to J&J, 929 FM. Yeah.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can over- With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: It's the Rundown with the biggest stories of the day from Jason and John on 92.9 FM ESPN. First story. John Morant, Gone.
0: Brother
3: you're getting real good with that again, yeah. Because you, you could—I almost said Unfortunately. it. Unfortunately, you're getting. Yeah, we've had to dust it off. We have, and in some cases, we laugh, joke. Maybe it's a transfer portal thing or something like that. Right now, it's nothing to laugh about, or no. joke about. It hurts. It hurts. Told you. You know, it's—it's it's not a blow. On the way I phrased it, uh, Caleb Mills for the Tigers, losing him, that that's a blow. Losing Steven Adams, to take it back to the Grizzlies, before the season. You know, we literally said, we said, that's a blow, and it has been. It has been all season long, not having Steven Adams. But last night was a death blow. You get the news uh, from the Grizzlies. Others, about, Shams might have been first. Uh, that I saw it, but very quickly ESPN and others had followed John Morant out for the season after, again, suffering a shoulder injury in a training session on Saturday. This was uh, after um, he and Bain and Jaron had looked so great uh, against the Lakers and getting that win. Uh, John Morant injures himself in the training session on Saturday. We saw him in the sling not playing Sunday, but I don't think very many of us. And I've seen some on Twitter that have said, "Well, I told you something was wrong. I told you this was serious." But and but but I don't think many of us thought were had ever factored in game uh, se- game ender season ending no. injury no. game ender for the season. I didn't hear too many folks speculating that way. Now, some of us again, the way Taylor had phrased it out, whether it's uh, soreness or we got to look at it, whatever else. You know, there had been some back and forth. Here's the Grizzlies again on injuries. Can't trust them, and I've heard a lot of that again today. Uh, and it is unfortunate how you get, you know, at one point with the, the way the Grizzlies treat injuries, but more importantly, the way they talk about injuries. Uh, I shouldn't. Have I was treat. shocked
1: last night when I read this. You, that you, was, you, I was, I was totally you surprised. think
3: one thing by sort of some of the language they've used, and yeah. then all of a sudden, again, Stephen Adams is a is, is an example of that. That's and right. then all of a sudden, you're completely the river is going the other direction completely. And so, yes, they're they're they've been guilty of that in some situation, But the, you know, this isn't some conspiracy here. You know where the, the 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 Grizzlies are? You know they are are running these right. guys into the. I've seen a couple of different. Well, what's up? What's up with the way they're they're pricing these guys and the injuries or whatever? Else? Or that, my point is nobody wants this. The Grizzlies certainly don't. Um, it, it is good in the sense that just because we, you've had the you know the Steven Adams impact, him not being there and him putting off surgery. I mean, I can I can I can say. Well, good thing that John knows he's got to get it right now. This isn't something, well, maybe three or four weeks or eight weeks of non-surgery, but going through some rehab can get him back. At least you know you got to get it fixed and you cut it off so that you can get him back next season. This isn't something we're going to play around with it like it feels like. And, again, maybe this is more in Steven Adams. You know, it's more on him than it is the Grizzlies, but it feels like that's the way. They treated the Stephen Adams thing. Um, it's good that he gets the surgery now, but it's an absolute death blow for the season. Uh, the Grizzlies. We mentioned the record six and three. That's a win percentage of six sixty seven in games that Ja had played. No, he had been back for eleven. Those are games with him on the floor, and the twenty 27- seven. That they've played without him 7 and 20, a win percentage of 259, and it puts you closer to the bottom of the NBA uh, with the San Antonios, with the Charlottes, with the Detroits. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. Again, there are some that won't want to hear this right now. There are some, particularly coming off, and I agree with Jessica Benson, who joined us first hour you know, what felt like maybe the best weekend of the Grizzlies season so far. There are going to be some out there that don't want to hear this right now, that just want to get on the court tonight, 730, see the Grizzlies on the court tonight against Dallas, and are are, are just going to hold on to faith and hope that they can still make a push. But what I would tell you is there could be some damage in that, that you could potentially do in pushing for that. And, and, the, and thus the reason why I think there needs to be a changing of gears. You go hard here. Right, you 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 push Marcus Smart, you 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 run Desmond and Jaron into the ground here the rest of the season, and particularly with Marcus Smart, who yeah, and he's made the playoffs all nine seasons and doesn't want to hear that they're not going to play the playoffs this year. But I need him as an asset, whether it's again going into next season with him as a part of this in the rotation or as a trade piece. I need him healthy. What I don't need is a Marcus Smart. We've already seen injured a couple of times this season. A Marcus Smart hurt, broken up, perhaps potentially out for the season. Then I got nothing. I can't do anything with him. And in play, in 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 lessening whatever I'm going to do with Marcus Smart the rest of the way. Uh, again, not playing him 30 up uh, and going with younger guys. In doing so, ultimately you're going to be that team that that is closer to the two fifty nine win percentage. That I mean, uh, uh, frankly, a team that even with Ja the last. You know, nine games on the court, still 30th in offense. With the playing of those young guys, with the letting up off the veterans, again, I'm not going to use the word. This is the way we're going to approach it. With that will come more losses. And with that, an improving draft pick, perhaps. Right now I think you'd be sixth, Brad. It's fifth or sixth, somewhere in there. Yep. But an improving draft pick, perhaps Can you be worse than Portland? Whatever it is, perhaps you won't. Perhaps fifth or sixth is where you're going to end up. But that could be an attractive an attractive pick for yeah. another team that's got a veteran. You're in that, that range can, that can help me bounce back next year, like we talked about in the open, a la a Denver a couple of years ago. Bounce a Denver last year, bouncing back a couple of years ago from Jamal Murray's injury. Golden State a couple of years ago, bouncing back from the Clay Thompson injury and winning. Golden State used their number two pick that they got out of being bad. Didn't even need James Wiseman, still won. That's my point. Could that whether that picks a that could pick could be a young player for you that maybe is talented? Ron Holland, whoever you're going to get, but more importantly, it could be a, an opportunity for somebody else that's got a veteran. That again, now again, a team that whose assets have been depleted. Let's be real. You don't have that Golden State first rounder anymore. You use that up. You, you you don't have a bunch of attractive wings anymore because they haven't done anything for you. You need to sort of reload if you can from an asset standpoint. And again, uh, st- what you do in terms of on the court, right? And then what you're doing in terms of deals can dictate some of that because uh, again, I tell you, if you're gonna push hard for this plan. You run the risk of running a Marcus Smart or, or a Desmond Bain or a Jaron, who, yes, have been fantastic this season, but into the ground. I need everything I can get for an all-hands-on deck. Again, a solid, healthy seven, eight guys that I know I can depend on going into the next season. That may require me trading a Steven Adams or, or a Marcus Smart or the, whatever this pick's going to be to do it, but that needs to be the focus right now. There will be fewer exciting moments this year. Brad and I talked about it to open the show. Felt like even in those nine games, it almost felt like a little a little mini season. And what we got from John ja Morant saw game winners, saw him dunk on dudes, saw him completely change the feeling, but also the way guys played. I mean, he's getting to the basket. He's creating opportunities for others. He Do you know how hard it is to make Zaire Williams better? John ja Morant does that. He is the only human on the planet that has the power
2: He's a better. And more sales. So, so, yeah, so
3: exactly. So yeah. it, it was actually he's probably the man that's besides Ja that's most hurt today. <laughs> probably right. That's gone for the rest of the year, because you know that what that means. Back to the outhouse. <laughs> man gonna play like slop the rest of the season. I mean it's I don't fair. know what it, it It's ja fair. just I think it it's Ja's belief in him. <laughs> Even if he's on the bench, yeah. watching him, but but sort of cheering him, I think it's Jaws' belief in Zaire that uh, for, for real. I think it gives him he, yeah. a little extra confidence yeah. and a look because that's what you have to have on a basketball floor. And I just yeah. think when Jaws throwing it to him, whether it's an alley or whatever alley else, oops, yeah. saying knock that down, yeah. Zaire just plays better. And that's unfortunately, and it's not Zaire's the prime example because literally, if you look at the splits as Harrington has pointed out, like there, it's night and day difference. But ja, we know Ja makes everybody better. There will be less exciting moments with him on the floor. And some guys may never come out of ruts like a Zaire because he's gone, but it's absolutely the way you got to go now because I need to reload the assets chest. Now I need to figure out how I'm going to restructure this team best for next season. And again, having healthy guys, particularly Marcus Smart, because you ain't trading Jaron Jackson or Desmond Bain. Marcus is the one you really don't want to run into the ground. Having healthy guys that can be, perhaps assets for you going forward and helping that what I think can be an immediate bounce back. It might not lead to a championship like it did for Denver or Golden State, but that path can absolutely lead you back to contender status.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they need to draft it and figure out how to get a, a backup
3: point guard or somebody who's in this, well, see, the I've pipeline. Heard, I've heard different,
1: the tie because all I th- could think about was ties. That's but, see,
3: it. but how much does a backup point guard help you once you're in the playoffs? Because it, it, wasn't that well, the like, Tyus Jones question?
1: It was. It's However, if you're going to continue, I'm, to I'm not time. even concerned about the playoffs now. I'm just concerned about the regular well, season. Well, you're right,
3: and, and and the Grizzlies now regular season is the issue. Although yeah. I tell you, uh, this one's for the most part dead. I mean, you you know you are not promised two seeds every year. No. But but when you are in that territory, which it feels like the Grizzlies could be back to next year, the one thing again, if you're in that two seed real contender. territory, territory is then you're asking the question how much does a big time backup point guard help me I, I i just that that's a way they could go with the draft yeah maybe i've also heard well they should get a big a young guy like a steven they need adams that too you know that you can put next to jaron that's more on the timeline yeah. in terms of these guys ages yeah. i mean frankly now i mean john jaron they're the, you know they're what are they, 24 years old, 25 years mm-hmm. old? They've they've kind, they've kind of moved on. In terms, but this is still one of the youngest teams in the league in terms of its core. Do you go get a young big that you put could put next to Jaren? My point would be right. Golden State, we thought, went and did that with Wiseman and would be sort of this seamless. But they didn't even, they they didn't even use him. That, no. That's my point. They didn't develop him, they nope. didn't, and they didn't need him to win a title. That's why, to me, the more attractive thing, then again, half these guys whose names I can't pronounce yet that are in yeah. the mock draft, um, is the the opportunity to give that pick to somebody else. Yep. Someone See well, see I, I the agree difference with that. for yeah, you. Yeah. The difference for you and the the San Antonio's and Detroit's and Charlotte's that are all going to be at the bottom with you mm-hmm. and that 1 to 5 to 6 range. That's right. Portland as well. Yeah. Is that Charlotte? You, you you got something to come back to next season. Yeah. There's still a path for you to be a contender next year. They they, they all still they're all still trying to figure it out. Yours is still there and so but 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 Again, you could you, you There is still a mistake to be made, I believe, in running these guys ragged. You know, pedal still to the metal. Uh, realize that's a hard conversation to have with players, but no, I don't I agree I don't, with I, that. Yeah. I, I think it's highly important. And again, I'll go back to it because I heard Harrington say at the light bulb went you that you don't ruin a Marcus Smart now more than ever, because now, because where do you need him now? Well, now he's got to go back to point guard, yeah. Brad. Now you really need him. Hell, you know, Gilliard's two-way guy. Derrick Rose is out right now, and so you just got Marcus back to a position of where you hope to have him pre-trade, right, the small forward spot, and now what's he doing? Now you need him back at point guard, because Ja's out, because Derrick Rose is out. That ain't so, the answer. Exactly. you going got a, a position he's not built for at this no. time of his career anyway, and now you need major minutes from him at the position. I could just see, again, no. You go two more weeks. Oh, Marcus Smart out for the next three to five because he's got a knee or something else. Like we've seen him injured a couple times this year. I'm trying to hold on to him, again, whether it's for next season as part of this rotation or as a trade piece with that pick that now can get better with more losses. And again, the moments are, uh, yeah. the exciting moments are done, but it doesn't have to be a, uh, it doesn't ha- it can be a quick rebuild, a quick sort of transition back to contender. I still feel like in many ways, Clarity is now there is some some clarity provided in what in this John Moran injury in the sense that, well, at least now you're not pushing for some false run, some run you were never going to make in the first place. Get everybody healthy. Come back next year. Get this thing. get your top seven or eight restructured and you can be a contender again very quickly. All right.
1: So I am totally clear on your point. Totally clear. I know exactly what you're saying.
3: Now, what do you think about it? I, they'll I do? said everything except the word itself. Okay. I, I beat yep. around that bush. I said everything except the word because I don't
1: like using it either. So, now what do you think they will do? Because here's where I'm at. The last four years with this franchise, mm-hmm. they have never relented when it comes to either player
3: rest um, or forced player rest. What meaning, about the year you got jaw? What about the year you got to number two? So, I don't. Right. You tanking then? Your what is that? What you're your point is that pro- they've never tanked.
1: They've never tanked since this core, since the bubble. Have they ever had a relenting well, we, type we, of we, a of a resting type of a, or even the the roster configuration well, you've such as two to the, seed?
3: I mean, that's, that's the right. last couple of years.
1: But but also in the bubble, like you went balls to walls. Even in the summer league stuff, guys playing balls to walls. Your best players that are available that aren't in the rotation, balls to the walls. They've never. Ever, ever had even from the front office had players that weren't available it, it, for a long stretch like this. Now you've got almost three quarters of the season like that's unusual. Yeah, you yeah. know, so that's a that's a long season to not to not have Desmond Bain going balls to the walls because that guy and this is why he's my favorite player. It just seems like every time he steps floor on that floor. It is the same Desmond Payne. You are. And and they're also not restricting him that much either. He's played a lot of minutes.
3: He's played – think about the minutes he played uh, and how much you were relying on him before Ja got back, before these last 11 games. Like you were running him into the ground then and he was playing through injury already. Now that usage rate goes back up. You know, those possessions that end with him, again, whether it's a a pass or him a finish at the basket or a shot, all those go back up now. So the usage rate goes back up through Uh. the roof. And I I realize, to your point – yeah, you know, I think, Brad, the way you, you – because you've moved away from that because, again, you don't want to tell these young guys who you're trying to build a culture with at any point the best thing to do is going to be a lose. And you had gathered enough pieces now to be moved on from that. Yeah. But we're not so far removed from a time where it did help you, where a time where you end up with a number two pick, luck strikes, and you get an absolute superstar out of it. Um, I, Again, I'm not telling you to – to to pull those guys, pull the plug completely sure. on the seasons they're having. But you have to pull back on – you have to ease up on the reins. There there cannot be the mistake. Man. You ask me what I think they're going to do, I think they're going to go with what I'm saying. I think you're going to play more of the younger guys now. I think it's obvious. And Again, you look at the record without Ja, 7-20, mm-hmm. 30th offense, 30th rated offense in the NBA. You can sit up here and fool yourself that, oh, man, I don't want to waste this season. Yep. But frankly you can do more damage. Well then I to, guess I'm to coming your off your son's game too, where they look pretty good without Jaw. They do and, and again, tonight's a night where you can go out there and say, Let's go do the same damn thing. Yeah. Let's go out there and play the way we played with Ja. Right, and see that uh, if I'm Taylor Jenkins, that's what I'm saying. Absolutely, I I certainly ain't. If I'm Taylor Jenkins, I'm not hearing, I don't want to hear anything Jason Smith or anybody's talking about. Don't, anybody who's saying the word tank, I don't want to hear it because, again, I'm coming off my best weekend and my team was fantastic without Ja. But remember, too, they hit 17 threes in the Phoenix game, hit 23 in the game with Ja against the Lakers. But back to the one without Ja, hit 17 threes. This is also the worst three point shooting team. In the league, you're yeah. telling me Marcus Smart's going to keep shooting it the way he has the no, last no. That, so, so no. what I'm telling you is a it's a pipe dream to tell yourself that even with this past weekend that it can still be like that. Yeah, you know, for the long haul that that's sustainable. And what I tell you is that there is danger and damage that you can do in going that route because again, now should be about circling the wagon, trying to maximize assets, yeah. and in some cases you're going to have to you're going to have to prioritize the health of some of those assets, Marcus Smart particularly, you're going to have to prioritize health. And in doing so, pull back on some of the vets, play these young guys. Maybe something comes out of it. Maybe LaRavia comes out of his slump. And again, maybe it's not for you and the Grizzlies or this rotation going forward, but maybe it's for some other team. Again, that needs to be the way you go at this point. And again, in playing those guys where, you know, maybe one or two of them comes out of it and they're playing well or have turned themselves into an asset, what's going to come with that is a whole bunch of ills that aren't going to be exciting or fun to talk about, but we've been here before We'll figure out something when it comes to draft time. Again, I'll tell you, best best option there with what's in this draft so far. Again, maybe Jeffrey Wright pointed out that John Morant made a push late in the NCAA season. So there could be guys that come from off the board, and that's a very good point. Sure. But with what's out there so far, I tell you, that picks more attractive to me as an asset to trade to get a veteran next season to, again, get that right seven or eight like Denver had last year and make your push for a title next year. Don't run these guys into the ground. Yeah, um, Don't do that. But Grizzlies, uh, we should mention again, and, and this news has been so devastating. We've spent most of our time. They do have a ball game to play tonight against the Dallas Mavericks, who, oh, by the way, have taken two of three so far in the uh, season series, yeah, it's two one. You got the win over them, one hundred eight ninety four, back on the first of December. Remember, Luca didn't play in that one. He had thirty five uh, in the last one that the Mavericks won, one twenty to one thirteen. Felt like he sort of owned you. Feels like it's going to be even more of that now. I will say this: you yeah. know, I felt like this team was dead going into the weekend and on this three game <laughs> road trip. Yeah. And if you look at these next five, you could get you could talk yourself into it again. Man, this is, gonna, this is really going to get ugly. And they proved us wrong over the weekend. Perhaps we'll get another shooting performance uh, like we've gotten on the road in the first two. Grizzlies, oh, by the way, I mean, we, we mentioned this, and it should be mentioned. They're 10-10 and 10 on the road. Yeah. It's, it's an excellent. It's the road record of a contender. And so, again, maybe those shots will drop uh, tonight. We mentioned Jaron Jackson Jr. Last I looked, still listed as questionable with a right knee contusion. Santi is doubtful. Left knee contusion for him, so that's not good news at all. And of course, the one you hate to see most on there now, uh, along with Derrick Rose listed as out, is John Morant with that right shoulder labral tear. So it ain't you know, it's not a ton of fun. But I'm telling you guys, one more there, question: there, there's a way out of this.
1: One more question: Do you think Brandon
3: Clark should even step on the court this gr- season? It's a great question. And we haven't talked about Brandon I think Clark. One yet. that should be revisited now. Yeah. Um, in a ramp up deal, if you want to do that, if he's yep. so ahead of schedule. Right, that, I mean, he's running, jumping, and everything else. He's doing not just the five on O's, but now he's doing contact. And if you get to that point, yeah, and he's ready to be out there, sure, but not in a situation again where I'm grinding him down, right. putting him back out there, playing him thirty something minutes. Hell, you may want him as a starter at one point. To decide I, I want to see him next to Jaron, right? Yeah, or, you know, as a four next to Jaron at the five. You want to see some more of that? Cause, hell, it's been so long. I, you do not run him into the ground. Yeah. So I, I would not be against Brad A. If you're so ahead of schedule, he's back. The doctors have cleared him, getting some ramp up stuff in. But again, not extended I'm, minutes, I'm not a bunch sto- of starting I'd minutes. I put him in the yeah. Bane Jaron category. That's fair. You're one of my rotation members. Yeah. You're one of those seven or eight I'm talking about. The seven or eight you need to win a title, just yeah. like Denver last year, you're one of those guys I'm banking on for next season, so I'm putting you in the Bane and Jaron boat where I'm not, you know, Good. rubbing the eraser off the top. I got you know yeah. I, I got That's nothing fair. by fair. the time I get to uh, to next season. So great question. Yeah. And I think it should be revisited now. It was one thing when you thought you might get him back for a run. Yeah. You know, for the end of a of, of a hopefully a pl- run in the to the play and end, put him and in the there. playoffs. Yeah. It's another thing when we all know. Uh, frankly, that it's over. And so I would be very careful in handling him. And, yes, maybe get some little ramp-up duty, get him back out there, get him acclimated again to run up and down the floor. But I would not play him crazy. I would not run him into the ground for some you know, false hopes of making the playoffs. So uh, Grizzlies got a lot to figure out. They got a game tonight. Tip-off is at 730 uh, against the Dallas Mavericks. Next story. All right, so we mentioned the other big news today, the news that came down uh, there in that first hour Mike Vrabel out after 6 seasons at coach you may not have uh you may not have heard yet because this news is still fresh 6 seasons as coach of the Tennessee Titans they have decided to move on and here is the the quote uh i believe from amy adams struck yes earlier today i smoke. i spoke with mike did i say smoked they certainly they, they didn't did do kinda, that they kind of smoked I him spoke. they
1: just throw him out
3: when you're saying a lot of words your, your lips oh, start you, to come you're together busy man earlier today i spoke with mike vrabel and told him about my decision <laughs> to make a change at head coach at as i told coach vrabel this decision was as difficult as any i've made as controlling owner um Here's the deal, too, that we didn't touch on when we were talking about how attractive I think Mike Vrabel is as a coaching candidate immediately in another job. They had moved on from John Robinson. We talked about them firing him because of what you did with the the A.J. Brown deal and moving on from him instead of re-signing him. Rand Carthon is that new general manager that they had hired. And, again, in most situations where you've brought in a new GM who's coming in with a coach already in place, at some point – That GM, not just once, but usually is given the power to go get his own guy. And so, again, we've seen, you know, now with a couple of different GMs, we've seen, you know, uh, Mike Vrabel be successful, but – you figure they're they're holding on to Rand Carthon. A lot of people thought that Rand Carthon should be moved on from. Because, uh, again, if Will Levis ain't going to pan out Not for a great you, draft. then that wasn't a great draft no. uh, for you at whatsoever. So a lot of people are uh, – actually, the t- Titans fans I talked to thought the GM should have been fired, Mike Vrabel should have been kept. Yes. But back to the point, GM is always usually going to get that chance to get his own guy, and that's why I think we're here at the end of uh, that along with this two year stretch and the stretch that uh, particularly that Schefter has talked about. Rand Carthon, that, that's why way, we're here now.
1: From Osceola, Arkansas.
3: Did not know that. Yeah, about I Rand just looked Carthon. on his
1: Wikipedia. Originally from Osceola, Arkansas. That's where he was born. He's 42 years old. He's the
3: GM. Vrabel is here. He will for sure coach you. Yeah. He is a young man still at 48 years old. Wow! Did I you realize mean, he was he's that young? He
1: was, uh, young. I thought he was in his fifties. I know he's now in the Ring of Honor with the Patriots this year, but like, I mean, he's accomplished. He's a good hire. I like your Bears
3: idea, uh, Derek. Yeah, we'll we'll get, get into the, that and and yeah. and and whether it's the best uh, opportunity yeah. for him. Again, the the Patriots might be depending upon what they're willing to give him. But Titan star uh, running back Derek Henry, mm-hmm. who's going to be a free agent, we talked about him yesterday and sort of felt a, like a farewell after eight seasons. The way he was addressing the crowd and everybody uh, after that Titans win against. Jacksonville in the regular season finale, he was reached by the Athletic. He said, wow, wow, I'm shocked. Coach Vrabel is a leader of men. He's a great coach and teacher. I know he will get another opportunity right away. I look forward to it. Remember, uh, Derrick Henry is going to be somebody somewhere else too next year. Yep. And here's the thing. Like Derrick Henry, it seems like he and Mike Vrabel have always had a great relationship I've always I I think that Derrick Henry, quite frankly, should be an offseason signing, a priority for the Dallas Cowboys, who could really help out Tony Pollard and keep the tread on those tires. If you go get an every down back, the kind of guy that they missed when they let Ezekiel Elliott walk. Yeah. All of that said, Mike Vrabel could go somewhere. I mean, you talk about he he says he looks forward to Mike Vrabel could land somewhere and maybe Derrick Henry ends up following him on a little two year contract. If I'm the Cowboys, I am offering. Derrick Henry, a two-year incentive-laden yeah. contract this offseason. I wouldn't let him go to anybody else. It's a perfect situation yeah. for him, quite frankly, and especially with the Cowboys' history of running backs. And Derrick Henry, you know, being aware of his Hall of Fame history and maybe mm-hmm. wanting to go to a, a franchise that's had some uh, some great ones and certainly a Hall of Famer uh, in Emmitt Smith. But um, perhaps that, that Mike Vrabel is such a player's coach that you might see a guy like yeah. Derrick Henry go join him back to the point to whatever situation I feel like next year – uh, Mike really wants Patriots. to pick from or the Patriots. Could be the Patriots yeah. who could use yeah. a guy like that. Now they tried Ezekiel Elliott this year; it didn't work out. Nah. But again, I tell you that Patriots offense—no imagination, nothing there. Belichick had no plan anymore, That's right. and he had—he really had no plan for someone to direct that offense, mm-hmm. which was—which was awful for him. And you saw that when they. Basically, uh, gave Mac Jones no chance in terms of personnel around him, in terms of the the development of him, and so that's why I think ultimately you got to move on from. To me, again, if the if I'm the Patriots and I'm ready to move on from Bill, I think as you should be, Vrabel's certainly attractive. If I if I'm the Bears, he would be attractive to me. But I think uh, again, if I'm the if I'm the Chargers, and I know that I've got the quarterback that Vrabel never had in the six seasons with the Titans. I'd be interested in him as well. Will Vrabel? I think the, here's the question. Yeah, we touched on earlier. Will he want personnel control after what he's been through? Remember his again his tenure and the way it went with the Titans. Where I'm sure Mike Vrabel feels like ultimately he was screwed. Ultimately he had what you needed. He had the edge receiver. He had the run game, and the front office decides to move on from AJ Brown. So as it, my point is, as a result of that experience, will Mike Vrabel? who I think is going to be, as Shefty points out, a tier one candidate, want that sort of personnel control because then the personnel control that he didn't necessarily have with the Titans, because then it might limit. There might be, you know, whether it's the Bears, those teams that are willing to offer that, you know, that maybe the line gets a little shorter then. Willing to see whether he wants it and whether he can command that.
1: Well, and I think a lot of it depends on the relationships, right? Because some of these franchises work perfectly fine when the – Coach doesn't have control. Look at the 49ers, for example. Coach and John Lynch get along perfectly. It works perfectly. They it does. Say, They actually say they need each other so that you can run and, and they seem to be on the same yeah. page. I'm you with get you. the you. That's, that's a place where it works. I have the system. We're on the same page. So during that interview process, I'm sure if you're Vrabel, you go to the Bears and you go, "Look, man, I want to vote. <laughs> I didn't get votes the last two on these other guys, and they drafted Will Levis. You know, so yeah. it might be different. Yeah, no, you
3: know? we'll, we'll we'll see what he gets. I think it's a it's a fascinating situation because I, I think like Derrick Henry, like. The Titans fans I've talked to, this one comes with some shock. Didn't see it. Rabel sort of indicated wanted to be back, wanted to keep coaching. Yeah. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh, other teams might now be, uh, who had not fired their coach, at least as of yesterday uh, and early today, we'll see if they might be willing to move on or make a move now to go get a Mike Vrabel. Right now I think it's five. Is it five open uh, uh, spots? It's somewhere around there. I may have to recount now that you've added. And probably going to be about seven or eight. Somewhere around there. And, yeah, I figure like they'll, they'll, because we still need an answer, certainly on the Patriots, Mm -hmm. you know, that one. And we we talked about that with Fitzy. Sounds like those meetings are going to happen towards the end of the week in terms of Bill Belichick check on whether they want to go on with him. So, Mike Vrabel fired, shockingly, oh. at least from our camp, uh, after six seasons with the Titans. We think he's going to be a pretty hot candidate for a coaching job immediately. Next story. And on Monday night, what we were watching when we got the John Morant news was certainly the national championship game. Uh, congratulations to Mark Giannato uh, and all <laughs> Michigan folks, alum, fans. Uh, they get the win 34-13. And in pretty dominant fashion, it's 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 yeah. hard really to look at that final score and think to yourself that was still a one score game in the fourth quarter, but it was. That said, it still it felt like at that point Washington really had no chance already because of the way they had gotten after uh, Michael Penix Jr., who finished twenty seven of fifty one for two hundred fifty five yards and a touchdown, and that's pedestrian for him, particularly with the performances he had had. He had been nothing short of phenomenal. Four hundred thirty. The yards in the semifinal game had cut up Texas uh, like a computer, basically. And you had not seen him. While while he might have been injured, I mean, he had – did you see that extra padding on him and the ribs? Yeah, and then he got hit hit at the ankle late. I mean, mean, he's banged up. He he had not looked like what he looked like last night. No. Which was a guy who was backpedaling, a guy who looked like he was in pain by the end of the game last night. But more importantly, uh, just a guy that was running. Yeah. A guy that felt like he was on the run the entire time and was missing passes, missing opportunities, uh, errant throws. We saw it all night long, and particularly again in that fourth quarter where just they even each, tried to run each, him, which is odd. With each down, well, he's not that because no, he's, he's had the two ACLs, yeah. and I think that's what affects. Uh, it's a separate conversation, the draft, yeah. But one we'll have eventually. Right. It's what's going to affect his draft stock. Is because he's older, but more importantly, I think, because of the legs, the two ACLs, Mm -hmm. the injury concerns. And you see him. When he moves, it's not even like a C.J. Stroud who didn't run that much, but is certainly capable. Uh, Penix looks like an old old man. And back to credit to Michigan, he had not looked like that all season long. Mm -hmm. Their plan for him, how physical they were up front, to me was the difference. There's that and, of course, the Michigan run game uh, that was dominant in that one. You got two touchdowns. Uh, from both running backs. All of a sudden, the backup, Donovan Edwards, is scoring the first two touchdowns. Off similar plays, too, uh, where it starts inside. it's got to be busted out outside. It's just a busted uh, defensive assignments, everything else. Had nobody on the outside. He ends up running for almost identical touchdowns. Felt like a 41 and 46 yards. He finishes with 104 yards on just six carries. That was the backup, and that was before Blake Coram even got going, and you knew he was going to get the star of the offense, essentially, Uh, with all due respect to J.J. McCarthy. Blake Corham has been the thing that drives it. You knew he was gonna get his after seeing Donovan Edwards go in. He ends up with twenty one carries, two touchdowns of twelve and one yards, going over the hundred yard mark. Michigan rushing for 303 yards was the most rushing yards in a college football playoff or BCS title game. Beat out Ohio State's 296 in 2015. Texas uh, back versus USC in 2006, it had 289. So it was the most rushing yards we'd ever seen in a college football title game. And again, it just spoke to the physicality. And as, as much grief and as, uh, you know, as disgusted, as I've, I I was and have been by the Harbaugh situation and the signs stealing stuff, and I can feel people right now rolling their eyes saying, J.J., everybody steals, steals signs. Nobody went to Michigan's lengths and did what Connor Stallions did. I go back to what we said touching off the to, to start the show. you got to respect the football that was being played there at the That's end right. of the year and the fact that Harbaugh didn't – Harbaugh – you know, some have said have got them back to the standard. Well, if you again, if you haven't won an outright title since the Truman administration, forty-eight or forty-nine, whatever it was, I know you had the co-title in ninety-seven. Yeah. But he raised it to me. Oh all, all, yeah. Again, you, you you knocked off Alabama, and I realize now you can make the case. Well, Alabama never should have been there, and you know, you know, it would have been different if Georgia uh, is in the playoff as, even as a two seed. You'll eventually end up playing them. My my point would be, you knocked off everybody in front of you. Fifteen and zero is fifteen and zero. And some of them, no, not very impressive offensively. Uh, Really, these last two have been very impressive, both from an offensive and a defensive standpoint. You have to respect what was done on the field, and you have to respect Harbaugh, even through all the shenanigans, right, the not caring about the NCAA, lying to them, you know, about benefits, whatever else, um, you know, the stuff with the sign stealing, that the product on the field got not just markedly better, but it got to a point right a level where you can knock off the best in the SEC. Uh, In this case, this year, they won the title game. You know, it was Alabama where you could could make a Pac-12 team that had looked great all season long look small. Yeah. And again, that's a Pac-12 team. Didn't didn't just dominate the Pac-12. That's a good Oregon team. It beat twice. And, And Washington has shown you they can be physical. That was another level of physicality. And we've always, at least me, but I know many of us have done this. We've always reserved that, especially lately, for the SEC. We've reserved that sort of man, they're just going to run over you, run past you with the speed, but also with those huge athletes, the best athletes. SEC's just on another level physically than everybody else, including the Big Ten. And Harbaugh, to me, showed uh, with that level of player. Uh, against the Washingtons, against the Alabamas, that they're right there with the with the big boys.
1: You might be going into the AP poll next, but I'll ask you, as I'm because I'm looking through the poll, which was released after the game, and you yep. have Michigan 1 and, and Washington 2. Do you think Georgia's the fourth best team ahead of Alabama in the country? Because they went up two spots, and they jump Alabama. Alabama in the final poll is fifth, Oregon sixth, tied with Florida State. I, I don't know if I think I don't know. I I, mean, I like if, Alabama. if I
3: was if I was voting in that in that poll, I probably would have still given Alabama the nod just because yeah. they beat him in the in the title game. But but again, if we're talking about eyeballs and we're talking about what kind of game, you know, would it have been uh if Alabama's not there and you stick Georgia in those slots. Yep. And you could make the argument that Georgia might mess around and win the title. They might. You know, uh yeah. did not play uh I mean you lost when it mattered most to Alabama and, and again, as much as as much as we've talked about and, and we love them, and we talked about Florida State's plight because it was the story. I mean, <sighs> Georgia should have been there. Georgia is as dominant yeah. a football team as there was all season Based long. Based on eyeballs, they, for my, sure. my point is they had just as much of a beef and a gripe yeah. of not being in. I agree. Oh, by the way, we're going to twelve yep. next year. That will be fun, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But we're still going to have folks that are left out, oh, and yeah. we're still going to have the big boys claiming most of the spots. But that's where you can, uh, you know, you can bring this thing back to Memphis. And at least tell yourself that if you, again, with a fourth-year starter at quarterback, if you take care of business in your conference, if you play Florida State well, uh, God forbid, get a win. Did he win it? um, You could be the team representing the group of five in that college football playoff, and that is fun. And here's where I go back to, again, I've had to come to terms with the fact that Ryan Silverfield, no, he didn't win his conference title, didn't even make the conference title game, but he is – this is one of the goals. Put himself in position. Put the program in position to take that. Yeah. To to take that title as best thing outside the group of five. They're in position. Part of that's retaining a guy like Seth Hennigan. Yeah. You know, got to get his defense fixed. One eleventh in the country out of one thirty-three is not going to get it. And and I, you know I think I think they can though. But I, I, but, but he's it. made the change obviously there. And 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 again, I'll give Ryan Silverfield credit. Offensively. It was it, it was building, getting leads, and then blowing them two years yeah. ago. This year, this was the number ten offense in the country, and I don't want to hear. And John's throwing that at me when I throw that stat. And I'm surprised he's done it. Yeah, but they did that against a lot of AAC schools, dude. They were scoring on Missouri. Like Memphis' yes. offense was fixed this year. Silverfield said it had to be more explosive, and he went out and did it. Yep. And part of that's transfer portal, getting guys like Blake Watson who come in here, and they're, they're down. But, but, but part of that, too, we know is retaining a guy like Seth Hennigan, now the all-time leader in passes. So I have to give Ryan Silverfield credit where it's due because Memphis is now in position to be there. Because I said, that's where the excitement is. If you're Ryan, that's how you sell the program. Rather than telling them, as and I understood the frustration, but after Temple, you know, rather than telling them we got a bunch of uh, Philly, you know, what's like the Philly fans that sure. boo Santa Claus, rather than that, you got to tell them how in position you are right for the playoff. Future. You have to be in a position. Yeah. Don't tell them. Show them right. to give them something. Exa- and that was always the way. Now, you cut Memphis off, you know, and we'll at some point get a reformatting of this college football playoff. I have no doubt about mm-hmm. that. As the big dogs get their way more and more. You know, they're going to push the little guy out. But for right now, even in a bad conference, you got something to sell, and that's having that seat at the table in the college football playoff uh, next year. I mean, you know, again, it's a different level, but Giannato's excitement. Yeah, and and the willingness to oh, go do yeah. a twenty hour trip, not even get a hotel room, because there's an opportunity to see your team in tournament form. Now they've been knocking on the door for a couple of years, so it's a little bit different situation. But my point is, you're in the tournament; you got a chance uh, at it. That's what we love about Memphis basketball. That's why we're always talking about seating around here and and getting the best path to going and winning a national championship. Being able to sell that, no, Brad, I can't sit up here and look you in the eye and yeah. say Memphis football can go win a national title this year. But having that seat at the at the table. Being in the tournament and the kind of excitement that's generated with that, that can give you some mojo. That can give you excitement. That's reason to go on and was always reason why the standard for Memphis football never should have been dropped. Right. Never. No. Nope. It needed to be raised, quite frankly, from where it's been the last couple of years. And so again I go back to all you know, all, all of that to say Tip of the cap to Ryan Silverfield for where he's got Memphis positioned, for the way they finished the season, for the way he kept guys engaged, and the effort defensively against Iowa State after a bad year defensively. So now you're in position to go out there and grab everything you want uh, you got to go get it though, because there are really no excuses in this conference either, Brad. This is a this is a dog conference, I was especially excited with, about with that. Tulane yeah. in transition. Although they've gone out and gotten a quarterback. Uh, they, speaking of uh, uh, transfers, did you see Quinshawn Jenkins headed to Ohio State. I did see yeah. that. I know I that mean, was it's... that's a side note in college football there, but uh, yeah, Quinshawn, Ole Miss running back headed to Ohio. State. What do you State. think?
1: I mean, I'm sure that's nil as part of that. Well, the,
3: the thing about that is, don't they? They got Dallin Hayden up there, don't they? Yep. And now you got to, you know. I thought I thought Hayden was going to get the chance to sort of be the guy next year. Now Judkins, Former without Christian a, brothers, with, without question, yes. yeah, without question, Judkins comes wow. in and he's your number one back. Now Ohio State, as many have made the point, uh, they've been a, a program that is uh, you can run one two backs. We just saw Michigan run yesterday two. running two backs. You need you have but, to have two. But before Judkins had had committed out of the transfer portal, yeah. Ohio State, you figured Dallin Hayden was the guy next year at Ohio State who mm. really could be one eight. Now I would think. You know, at the at the top, he's going to be more one B because you didn't bring in Judkins, who's been an absolute stud at Ole Miss. By the way, I know the running numbers were down this year for him, but he he's been a stud for two seasons for Ole Miss. That's a legit NFL running back right there. Uh, That's a big pickup for Ohio State, and again, a backfield that now includes you know former uh, former Memphis product. Uh, Dallin Hayden. We yeah. are churning out some
1: running backs, some of them. Yep. I mean, it's it, Hayden out of Christian Brothers. There's others coming
3: too. Uh, we've had some good ones. We've had some good running backs come out. I remember, uh, who's the kid out of Ridgeway went down to Ole Miss long, uh, a few years ago? Uh, Jaquan Walton was yeah. down there. He was he was more of a speedster. Um, Eric Gray, obviously, I cannot go without mentioning recent uh, running backs around here who have gone. Eric Gray, who is now with the New York Giants, a yeah. uh, former Lausanne stud, right? He was over yeah. there over there with your boy. He's uh, a with gi- the Lausanne yeah. family. Yeah. yeah, he's with the Giants, dude. He got run when uh, Barkley was down this year. Yeah. Hey, this, is, this was his rookie year with the uh, with the Giants. <laughs> to your point, we have produced some running backs here of late. Yeah. And uh, hopefully that uh, that continues. Getting back to it on, on on last night, well, really it's a look forward. Georgia, and this is where my man uh, John Martin, who's out sick today, uh, hopefully will be back tomorrow, would be telling you that they opened the year. Uh, they opened already last night as the betting favorite uh, to win next year's College football playoff. Again, a playoff that's going to 12 teams. They're listed with 17 to 4 odds on ESPN bet. Uh, next up is Alabama, Ohio State. It's the second straight season, the Bulldogs have been the preseason favorites. Michigan they beat Washington in the championships game, but with questions surrounding, yes, Harbaugh's future. We've talked about that. Is he going to the NFL? Is he going to stay? Uh, McCarthy's gone too. They were listed at 9 to 1 for next season's title, along with Texas. Uh, Washington. Uh, which is gonna lose Pennix Junior uh to the draft. He begins the uh they begin the off season as sixty to one uh long shot at ESPN bet. So Georgia, again, who I believe Carson Beck has said he's coming back. That's part of that, right? I saw I saw where uh, yep. I thought maybe he might be in the uh what is it, the UFL for us next year. Now Carson Beck's headed back to to, he's got much bigger plans than that. You also Actually saw it, who, was a, it was a draft po- possibility as well. He's going back to Georgia. I think well, I saw that. Announced.
1: You saw what they did yesterday, though. This has effect on my team. Uh, they got the stud, uh, the, the 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 quarterback J- Jaden, uh, the quarterback. He was a freshman at UNLV. They just got UNLV's quarterback. Oh, really? In the portal? Yes. Really. So there's going to be a competition there because this uh, my guy was. He was a stud at UNLV. This is Barry Odom's quarterback. Yeah, they, he went into the transfer portal and he just went to Georgia. So they're going to have him and Beck competing for the starting job.
3: Wow. I mean, because this has got because there's further odds here that uh, on the Heisman next year they got Beck as twelve to one.
1: Well, then Mayava's going to be his backup because yeah. he was a stud freshman for UNLV this year. He's probably going to be their junior and senior quarterback when he's that old. So
3: on the Heisman next year, because we've mentioned, uh, you know, right now it looks like Quinn Ewers back to at Texas that. Uh, Jalen Milroe is the early betting favorite at eight to one on the Heisman next year, uh, with Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers and Oregon quarterback. Remember, Dylan Gabriel transferred mm-hmm. out to Oregon, uh, the former UCF and Oklahoma quarterback. They're both listed at ten to one, and then Carson Beck is twelve to one. So your guy must be going to back him up. He's going to back him up and, be up and the play the future, his junior year and be the future.
1: Yep, yeah. I'm looking at it ESPN now. They're going to say he's, that's the backup, but I mean that's. That's a year away. They got a good quarterback backing him up now. who yeah. was started. They're for a setting a real up team. their future. They're yeah. setting up their future. And right I'm sure there there. there's nil there, there, so that's why you go.
3: Uh, I wouldn't bet against Georgia next season. I mean, no. they've got the number one recruiting class. I believe again, number one recruiting class coming in. Um, you mentioned what they're doing in the portal, so I would not. care Kirby coming right back, and again.
1: I would bet Georgia right now if I had to just pick the number one team. That would be
3: my pick. I don't know about you. Who do you think? Uh, Georgia's the team. Yeah. I'm looking at some of the, uh, the other candidates. You don't believe in that Texas team if Quinn years, with Quinn Ewers back? I don't know
1: enough about it, but uh, based, I'm just thinking about this year and what Georgia's bringing back. That's why I like them more.
3: I'm just I'm looking at other candidates. Michigan's losing too much. Wow. Um, Ohio State was not good enough. They're, right now they've got the third no. best odds. They were not good enough last season. They've got a bunch of areas they need to be better than. And it's, it's how much do you think Milroe's going to uh, improve at Alabama? You know, yeah. is it is it enough to push them ahead of a Georgia? I wouldn't bet on that. So again, I think Ole Miss is going to be good. Yeah, they're they're pretty high. They're at fourteen to one. Yeah, so, like they're
1: good. So they've got like really good next seventh year. seventh best
3: odds. Yeah,
1: like they're a real. They're going to be in the playoff and they're going to be really good. So like they got a chance. They, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not an Ole Miss fan, but like they got a real chance. Yeah, to that's get a in that that's thing.
3: a different level of excitement for Ole Miss yeah. next year. This is you know, next you're talking level about now. Your, yourself as a possible title contender. Yeah. Um, because it does seem like there's been a ceiling. I mean, you're going to be below the the Georgia yep. and Alabama so far, but maybe, but maybe, maybe Kiffin can break through the ceiling. You're ahead of everybody. You just need to beat Alabama
1: and and some of these other teams the, that are coming into the, the conference. You know,
3: he must got something good coming in with Judkins going out. Love I'm talking it. about at the at running back too. I think they got
1: everybody. Let me Cause look they, at cause their board. Lost
3: Judkins like we talked about, but he must have something else coming in. Uh, i I've, I've read though that a lot of people are high on. Uh, Ole Miss with their quarterback back and everything else back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jukins is heading to Ohio State. They're going to have to, gonna have to gonna find another, him. another stud uh, at running back. Um, we've got plenty more to talk about uh, after we get back here from break. You know, Mikey Williams, his camp has spoken. Mikey Williams, the former, now former uh, Memphis signee, who Penny Hardaway had backed through all of his legal troubles that felt like it had gone on basically for the past year and had kept Mikey Williams from um, being on the team, at least in person, uh, this year, he was on the team listed on the roster and everything else. His camp has 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 obviously spoken, and Memphis has put out a statement uh, about Mikey Williams. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what Penny Hardaway said about their upcoming game against UTSA. Uh, when we come back, you listen to Jason John, 92.9 FM ESPN.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?